particularly around the holidays, you know, winter seasons, when children are coming back from school or um, people are staying inside, a lot of times we start to develop more of those um, colds and respiratory uh, diseases. Or, um, and so it, it's really important for us to continue to consume our proteins over this time. There's more to proteins than just energy and getting swole. I'm Jeff Liker, Jessica Phelan, Assistant Professor for the Department of Health and Human Performance from Fort Hayes State University, joins us to talk about the benefits of protein and more on this episode of the Post Podcast. Today we are to talk about proteins, and first I'm going to give you guys just an overview of, you know, what are proteins and what are they composed of. We'll talk about some functions, and then we'll actually try to answer the question, which do you think is better? like a vegetarian diet or an omnivore diet. Okay. Any ideas? Um, I think that both of them have their points as mm-hmm. long as you have balance. Oh, yes. Yeah. We've been talking about that the last few segments. Mm-hmm. So nice. Yep. All right. Um, proteins are considered to be a macronutrient. And a macronutrient from our other segments, as you know, is something that we just need in larger quantities. Right. Additionally, our macronutrients are energy yielding meaning that there's calories that are associated with that particular um, nutrient. So they are a macronutrient, meaning that we need some every single day in larger quantities than some of our other like vitamins or minerals. If you think about the structure of a protein, the proteins are amino acids that are just hooked together in a very, very long strand. Mm -hmm. And that strand, think about like little beads on a fishing line or something like that. And so those would be our amino acids. And so our proteins, um, they can coil upon each other, they can bend, they can fold, but this coiling and bending actually dictates their function, Mm -hmm. which is really cool because it's actually that shape. And then of course, the sequence of amino acids that dictate what they do in the body. Mm -hmm. Proteins are considered our workhorses. And so that's probably why maybe in literature, or if you guys listen to the radio or scroll on social media, you always hear a lot about protein sources. Well, because they are workhorses and they serve lots of different functions. So for example, (laughs) buckle up, there's a lot. Um, They produce vital bodily structures. And so um, they are part of like collagen. Obviously they're part of the proteins that are in your muscles. And so during periods of growth, maybe like when you're a child or when you're in a state of growth, proteins are created. And then, um, during malnutrition or disease, proteins are broken down to supply energy. But here's the thing. We don't want to use our proteins as an energy source unless we have to mm-hmm. because they have lots and lots and lots of other functions that would be um, also important for the body. So they help to maintain fluid balance. And what I mean by that is that um, they help to maintain the balance of um, fluids that are in your bloodstream versus like inside of your cell. Mm-hmm. And so they help with swelling and edema they help to contribute to acid-base balance. And so the acidity or the, of our blood, mm-hmm. they contribute to your immune function as well. Mm-hmm. So particularly around the holidays, you know, winter seasons, when children are coming back from school or um, people are staying inside, a lot of times we start to develop more of those um, colds and respiratory uh, diseases. Mm-hmm. Or, um, and so it, it's really important for us to continue to consume our proteins over this time. Okay. So, mm-hmm. um, so with that... Um, if uh, is that why, especially with like uh, the fluid balance, is that why like if you're say for example on like a keto diet or something like that, you're mostly just getting dehydrated or something, or is it? Uh... So that's really an interesting question. So the keto diet is where we consume 
Um, it would be like 70% all the way up to like pretty, pretty high, like 85, 90% I've even seen mm-hmm. um, of just lipids. And so that would be mm-hmm. just your fats. Uh, and okay. protein is actually only a, a very small percentage, like 5% of that. And then um, carbohydrates or are really I minimized. Of Atkins. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking of Atkins, I think. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, if you think about like a lower uh, carbohydrate diet, higher protein diet, mm-hmm. what's happening there is that, um, well, whenever we consume a carbohydrate, Carbohydrates are stored in our muscle tissues and they're stored in our liver and they are also stored with some water. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times if people go on a low carbohydrate, maybe a higher protein diet, Mm -hmm. they'll see a really immediate weight loss. And some of that is fluid. But if you think about, you know, manipulating your diet, protein also has a really, really, really high satisfaction rate. Mm -hmm. And so if you eat protein or if you guys have eaten like a steak or, you know, eggs after that, you're like, man, (laughs) I'm full. Yeah. <laughs> and so protein um, has lots of different functions when it comes to like balancing weight too. Mm-hmm. Um, that fluid retention is is pretty minimal. Um, and really that happens within the first bit of a diet, but a higher protein diet can be really, really great for other reasons. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Didn't mean to interrupt you. No, already, I'm so, so glad. Yeah. I love the questions. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so um, some other functions of protein are they help with uh, the transportation of nutrients. Mm-hmm. And so specifically... Um, like hemoglobin is a protein and it carries oxygen to working muscle tissue and to our cells. They also help with like the transportation of lipids in the blood. And I could go on and on and on mm-hmm. about um, transportation of nutrients and proteins. But you notice I just off the top of my head talked about five different functions of our amino acids or our proteins. And yeah. so you can see that they're very, very important. And so the body really does try to conserve the amount of proteins that we're using for energy. Um, and so we can use them for some of these other functions. But the really cool thing is, is say that you're in a state where um, you haven't been maybe fueling your body how you need to. Mm-hmm. Well, we can actually break those down and use those for energy too. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we do need um, some different, uh, so protein needs are different based upon, of course, your body size, your age, your physical activity levels, but it's actually a, probably a lot less than what you think. Mm-hmm. And so we need uh, 0.8 grams per kilogram of body weight. And the reason that I want to emphasize that is that a lot of times I see students that will come into my classroom or I'll just have conversations and people will say, oh, I need uh, one gram of protein per pound of body weight. And that is not correct, mm-hmm. um, and at least for the um, dietary reference intakes. And so in order for you to convert your body weight to kilograms, you would divide your body weight by Mm 2.2. And so therefore you can see that that's essentially reducing the amount of protein that you need from that per pound measurement in half. And so I would say for the average adult, um, depending upon, you know, their activity level and then also um, if they have a relatively normal body weight, um, they need anywhere from about like, you know, 60 to 80 grams, maybe maybe quite a bit above that, depending upon, of course, um, their body size of protein. And so if you really think about that, um, it's not, you know, an exorbitant amount of protein like maybe some people would think. Mm-hmm. Because, we're, you know, we're told you need to um, have protein for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Well, you can also receive your protein from your plant sources too. Mm-hmm. So that would be the bare, like that, that minimum that we need in order to just have enough protein or amino acids for all of those functions. Here's the thing, though. If you are a growing child, then, yeah, you would probably need more protein than that. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're pregnant, you need more protein. Mm -hmm. 
if you're an athlete, then you need more protein. Here's the other one that I always find interesting. If you're injured, you need more protein. Mm. But that makes sense, right? Yeah. Because, you know, you sprained your ankle, you um, messed up your shoulder. Your well, body's repairing itself. Yeah, exactly. And so that's really important that when you're in a state of injury, make sure that we're getting enough protein to support, you know, the regrowth of collagen and muscle fibers and tendons and all of those different protein structures. Mm-hmm. So we do need a little bit more when we have, you know, injury or something of that nature. Um, so kind of just circle back. The quality of protein that you consume is also really important. And so I'm trying to, to answer this question for you. Which is better, vegetarianism, veganism, um, or just like an omnivore diet? Mm-hmm. Well, here's the thing. It comes down to your protein quality. So we have nine essential amino acids. And that means that you have nine amino acids that you have to consume in the diet. Your body can't make them. Mm-hmm. And so... Complete protein sources or like a high quality protein source would have all of the nine essential amino acids. So can you guess what types of food this would be? Um, oh gosh, I have no idea. <laughs> it would be your animal sources. Oh, okay. And so, yeah. yeah. And so that, that, makes that makes sense, yeah. right? Yeah. And so it'd be your animal sources. So milk, mm-hmm. cheese, egg, poultry, um, and then a couple of plant sources like uh, soy and quinoa. Mm-hmm. And then we have incomplete proteins. And essentially, these are the protein sources that don't have those nine essential amino acids. Mm -hmm. So these would be then your uh, plant sources. So this is most plant-based foods. And so that's why you always hear, well, protein from animal sources is superior. Well, it's just different, Mm -hmm. right? And so what we can do, say that you want to go on a vegetarian diet or a vegan diet, there are definitely health benefits for all of these ways of eating if you enjoy eating that way. Mm-hmm. But some things that we can do is we can pair different types of plants together to receive all of those essential amino acids. And this is called complementary proteins. Mm-hmm. So here are a couple of examples for you to, to think about this. Um, like hummus and pita bread. Together, those would provide us with all of the essential amino acids. Mm. Um, let's see... Bean and barley stew, that's another example. Um, Walnut and baked bean casserole would be one. And then probably the one that you're most familiar with, uh, red beans and rice. Mm. So beans and rice that are paired together would provide you with all of those essential amino acids. Gotcha. So there are some positive aspects of both veganism and vegetarianism as well as an omnivore diet. It's just kind of, you know, what is your preference and what makes you feel the best? Mm -hmm. So... Some of the positives of like a vegetarian diet would be if we're consuming less animal sources, chances are we're probably going to consume less saturated fat and cholesterol. And so meat in itself is wonderful. It is is awesome. The only thing that we have to take into consideration is the package that it comes in. Mm-hmm. And I'm not referring to, you know, what it's processed as, you know, the, the plastic package. Right. It's the other stuff that comes with the meats that we're consuming. Right. So like a steak that has a lots of marbling. It's wonderful and tasty. It just has maybe a little bit more saturated fats and cholesterol. Mm-hmm. So if we could choose a little bit, uh, a steak with less fat and less marbling, that's probably going to be just a little bit better for our health. Leaner cut. Basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But here's the thing. Once in a while, like me for Thanksgiving, we're doing it. I'm mm-hmm. excited for that. So yeah. we're going to have those steaks. Um, but it would just, it, it's just some of those packaging of our, our animal products that we have to really take into consideration. Mm-hmm. 
So when you have a vegetarian diet, you're probably going to have less saturated fat and cholesterol. Um, You're probably going to include more whole grains, fruits, and vegetables because, well, there's nothing else left to eat, right? (laughs) You just have those plant sources. And so that would increase fiber, which is really good for your digestive health um, and really good for potentially weight management too. Helps you to feel more full. Right. Um, And then potentially you have a higher intake of some of those really interesting nutrients that are only found in plants. There are a couple of things that we, that we do have to consider that may be like a little bit negative with a vegetarian diet. Um, and the only thing that would be just like adequate calories. Mm-hmm. If you think about trying to consume enough energy from your um, plant sources, sometimes it's really difficult to get enough calories. Right. Um, so that would be one thing. The other thing is um, inadequate B12. That's just a vitamin or sorry, um, yeah, a B vitamin that's only found in animal sources. Mm-hmm. So we just have to supplement that in the diet. Um, also, if you're not a huge fiber person, if you just, you know, switch immediately from a omnivore diet into a vegetarian diet, then, you know, that, that might be a little bit difficult for your digestive system too. Yeah. But right. overall, as I always say, if that's the way that you're excited about eating and that's the thing that makes you feel the best, then absolutely – a vegetarian diet can be really, really, really healthful, can help with longevity. It can make you feel great. But if you're somebody like my family, we do enjoy eating our meats and our animal products. Um, we just have to be a little bit more cognizant of the types of things that we're choosing and then saving some of those, you know, really nice Omaha steaks for, for uh, right. Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> right. So here's a here's a real question, though. How do you take your steak then? Ooh, I'm probably not like a lot of people. I'm probably going to get a lot of backlash for this, but I like mine pretty done. Okay. No pink for me. Okay. But my family, they they all like theirs a little bit more uh, rare than that. Sure, sure. Now, uh, is there is there a difference on how your body processes the, uh, uh, the two different uh, types? That's a great question. So it's kind of a complex process, mm-hmm. but something that's really cool is that when we apply heat or light to some of of our nutrients or um, just different environments to our nutrients, it actually can influence the makeup of that particular product. Because um, Mm -hmm. I mean, like when you grill a steak, like when it's raw, it's really tough and and stringy. And then as you cook it, it softens up. It like you, you you, you can basically feel those fibers breaking down as you're, as you're cooking it. That is such an awesome thing for you to say, because yeah, exactly. When you have a steak that you're cooking, you're denaturing a protein. Mm-hmm. And so I talked about that really like those those beads in a string that are coiled on top of each other and then knotted up. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's your protein structure. Actually, what you're doing is you're uncoiling that line mm-hmm. to where now you're straightening out that chain. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, actually, you're starting to denature that protein and therefore you're actually starting some of that um, process up. I don't want to call it your digestive process because it's obviously not happening in your body, but you're actually creating in a different environment where that protein is kind of changing form too. Yeah. So yes, it does influence how your body um, then uh, goes through that process of digestion, absorption, and transportation. Very cool. All Very right. interesting. I love that question. <laughs> I wish all my students were asking some of those questions. They do such a good job and yeah. I love talking about this stuff. Uh, well, I mean, like there's a little bit of an underlying uh, circumstance for that. I'm just trying to uh, figure out like, uh, you know, because I'm a medium rare guy yes. at, at most. Uh, and uh, I'm like, you know, I'm trying to find like some sort of health reason as to why <laughs> that's superior to compared to uh, well done and everything. But uh, yeah, I don't think we're going to get there. So Yes. The only thing that I want to leave you guys with is um, as you guys are 
you know, making your Thanksgiving dinners, make sure you keep your cold food cold and your hot food hot Mm -hmm. to prevent any of those um, foodborne illnesses or bacteria to um, build on your foods. And so a good rule of thumb is keep things in the refrigerator Mm -hmm. when, you know, right before serving, you can pull those out. Mm -hmm. And then for hot things, you can keep them in crock pots or roasters. Or if you happen to, you know, cook your turkey earlier Mm -hmm. and, you know, debone that, we'll put that in a crock pot, just put a lid on it, keep it on warm. And just to make sure that we're preventing any of that bacteria from forming. Yeah. Well, you know, that drawer that's on the bottom of every oven, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, That uh, a lot of people use that. The pots and pans drawer. Yeah. The pots (laughs) and pans storage. That's actually there to um, keep your already cooked food warm while you're cooking more in the oven. <laughs> that's it, my pots and pans drawers. It, it's <laughs> everyone's pots and pans drawer, but that's what its actual function is for is to uh, uh, basically, uh, you know, like you finish the turkey and you put it down there uh, to keep it warm while you're finishing up the uh, the casserole or whatever uh, kind of thing. Um, it's uh, it's meant to be, uh, be that. Yeah. Well, I, I've worked in the food service industry for over 10 years, so it's kind of one of those well, things. Perfect. So. I should be asking yeah. you questions about some of that stuff. That's wonderful. Yeah. Well, uh, just as a reminder for our listeners, do you know the uh, danger zone for food as far as safety goes? 40 degrees to 140 degrees. That is the danger zone. So if it's cold, you need to keep it below 40 degrees. If it's warm or if it needs to be hot, you need to keep it above 140 degrees. The, that's the window that bacteria grows in. Perfect. Awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you so much for this. All right. Anything else that we want to talk about real quick before we break away? You know, I just hope you guys have a happy holiday season. And then also enjoy your loved ones and enjoy that food with your family. Yeah. Um, It's a time to really embrace all of the things that you're thankful for. And so um, make sure that you guys are enjoying that food too. 